Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. What up, what up, everybody? Dan Titus here with the Buckets Fantasy Basketball Podcast here on the Action Network, presented by Prize Picks. Joined by fantasy expert Adam Koffler. What's up, dude? How's uh, your week 18 for football slash fantasy basketball going? Oh, we're brewing. I made my uh, my first fantasy basketball trade this past weekend, so I'm ready to uh, see what I get out of that in terms of my value going forward. I'm ready to talk about it on the podcast today. Yeah, we could definitely talk about that because uh, it's going to have some relevance to one of the topics we're going to get into. Not only just give you a quick week in review and obviously give you our week 13 look ahead, but Adam's going to go over um, some playoff scenarios that you may want to pay attention to if you're in contention right now. Some things you might be want to be thinking about as you're preparing for that. So let's get into the action, man couple milestones that happened last week in week 12 Trey Young dropped 56 points and 14 dimes that is the most assists ever for a 50 point performance he did that against the Portland Trailblazers on Monday and Jalen Brown notched his first triple double 22 points with 11 rebounds and 11 assists on Saturday against the New York Knicks and speaking about the Knicks for a second um, Evan Fournier here this dude just seems to ball only against the Celtics. He came in averaging 35 points, six rebounds, shooting 55% from the field, 54% from three, hitting 6.7 three-pointers per contest against the Celtics. Against everybody else, he's averaging 11 points, 2.4 rebounds, shooting 39% from the field, 35% from three, and only 2.3 threes made per game. He is 181 overall this season, came in with a preseason rank of 93. He's a waivers guy. He's really good against the Celtics, and that's about it. Yeah, it's a no for me, dog, as Randy Jackson would say. Um, this, yeah, this guy only torches his former team. Uh, revenge narrative very much so matters for Evan Fournier. And it's funny, on I, I remember seeing on Twitter, like, the amount of people that are going to look up Fournier, uh, you know, based on his performance. You don't want to do that on, on uh, Google. So just stay away from the Twitter searches on Fournier. Uh, yeah. Feel free to go ahead and do that, but you don't... Uh, Probably don't want to do that, do no, that but probably, no. <laughs> but yeah, he's not he's not a guy that I'm interested in um, unless for some reason the Knicks had a five game schedule during a week. Um, just you know, you're not going to get much out of Fournier outside three pointers. You know, every time he plays the Celtics, yeah, and he's not really playing that much better considering how many injuries the Knicks have gone through over the course of the last couple of weeks. So he should be playing better, especially for the amount of money he's getting. Was he getting four years, seventy M's? That's Kenny Galladay type money. Yeah, he's a bum, too. Ooh, man. <laughs> the Lakers, this is really about LeBron James just continuing his elite play. He's fourth overall by average last week. 30 points, seven rebounds, six assists, two threes, four stocks. And the more surprising part of LeBron's stats is that he's actually hitting free throws. He shot 81% in week 12, which is really great for his value. That was one of those things where it would always kind of hold you back because he got so much volume, but if he's hitting free throws. Yeah, he's uh, he's shooting, uh, what's he shooting on the year? Uh, 78%, and that's up from the upper 60s for the last few years of his career. So, yeah, that, that was the biggest knock on him. And then, you know, we're seeing him play 36 to 38 minutes a game, which is like we've been talking about is absolutely insane, but doesn't look like it's going to slow down. And we haven't heard anything 
on the Anthony Davis front. Um, not that, Nothing. not that that's going to like even slow down LeBron that much. Like I, I don't trust AD going forward. Like, you know, if we we're talking about like buy low candidates here, like AD is not necessarily number one on my list. Cause I don't think the Duke can stay healthy. So ride this wave on LeBron and you know, it's crazy what he's doing and his what, what season is this? 16, something it's, like that. Uh, 17. Definitely a lot. I mean, I know he's 37. I mean, right. He's so what just insane that he's, crazy. he's, le- he's legitimately like the number one player in nine cat leagues. Like this yeah. dude is just on fire. Another guy that's on fire. Malik Monk. Yes. Ranked 12 overall over the last seven days. And he's dropping. Tw- <laughs> this is crazy to look at 25 points, three rebounds, three assists. 1.3 steals, a block, 55% field goal, and he's hitting six threes per contest. Just crazy. And only one turnover. I mean, is he here to stay? I think he is. Like, yeah, yeah he is. He's got, he's got to be. He is. LeBron, need, LeBron needs uh, Malik Monk type. Like, in the starting lineup, gets buckets. Like, this is, this is exactly what the Lakers need. And if, you know, it was going to be one of the guys that they brought in in the offseason. One of them. <laughs> right. Cause they brought in like, they, we talked to Jovan Buha at the beginning of the season and they brought in like six, seven dudes, uh, you know, guys that could all score. And we we're like, we we're thinking like, Oh, maybe it's going to be Kendrick Nunn or like Wayne Ellington, but Malik Monk is like proving he's, he, he can still get buckets and you know, he's still, he's still a young guy. So yeah, very young, I mean, very young. He's never really got a chance, right? Like every time right. he got in on the Hornets is always because of injuries and he was always a microwave, but I think it's, he's found the right team. I, I think he was always one of them LA type dudes. Like I feel like he just fits in the system and it, it just so happens that LeBron has like literally no offense. So by need, he's just going to be shooting more. Right. So yeah, I just think yeah. he has a great opportunity. He never, he never played over 20 minutes per game in his, in his, in his career prior to being with the Lakers. And, and this season he's playing 26 minutes a game. And in the last seven, eight games, he's playing uh, minutes in the mid thirties. So he's he's definitely a guy that should be rostered in all 12 team leagues if he's still out there. Let's talk about the Grizzlies for a moment here. John Morant, easily one of the best players last week. Uh, he's currently 29th overall in nine category head-to-head leagues. I know you didn't see that coming. I, I didn't either. But he's averaging 28-7-7 with 1.7 stocks, shooting 53% from the field over the last week. Man, um, news just dropped, though. Dylan Brooks is going to be missing three to five weeks. So that should have him out till the all-star break. So that's going to open up more minutes for DeAnthony Melton here. And uh, he had a great game on Saturday night, dropped eight, eight points, 11 rebounds, six assists and uh, two steals in only 23 minutes. So you got to feel like he's the ad biggest beneficiary. If uh, Brooks is going to be out of the lineup here. No doubt because Desmond Bain is what he is, right? He's, he's a top 50 player, nine cat. He's going to get you 24, four, a couple steals uh, and some threes. His role doesn't really change. It's, it's DeAnthony Melton. Who's going to see more minutes. He could even enter the starting lineup. Um, you see that when like John Morant missed the Grizzlies last game and it was Tyus Jones who stepped up into the starting lineup. It's because he's the direct, you know, backup point guard. Whereas DeAnthony Melton's like this guard forward combo type deal where the Grizzlies like oftentimes have trouble finding minutes for him. But when Dylan Brooks is out of the lineup, Melton's, pretty much guaranteed 25 plus like we saw in the beginning of the season, Melton was a must roster guy with Dylan Brooks out. Dylan Brooks came back and Melton like became like a 15 minute per game type dude. And he was droppable. So now that Dylan Brooks is going to be out three to five weeks. Yeah. Melton's going to smash. Um, it, he's a, he's a permanent monster and he's getting like three stocks per game 
uh, in just 20 minutes per game. So definitely got you one on your roster. Uh, I told you guys to pick up Brandon Clark. He was definitely a smash this week. So hopefully you guys did get some value out of him. And uh, there's still some injuries on the Memphis front, still some people in protocol. So he still might have some staying power here. Not as strong as having a five game week, but uh, definitely worth yeah, so, around. Yeah, so definitely, definitely hold on to Brandon Clark, especially as uh, Steven Adams remains in the health and safety protocols. Um, Sixers, Joel Embiid riding a, a heater right now. Six straight games of 30 plus. Danny Green is now officially on the all calories team, joining Tony Snell for doing absolutely nothing in 28 minutes of action. Uh, I do believe that he did get a stat correction, giving him one steal. So it kind of tainted the, the the true value of his all calories, zero burger that he put up in 28 minutes. But all that being said, he still sucks. So yeah, keep him on waivers for the foreseeable future. I think he's finally hit his wall um, and just age catching up with him. But uh, Joel Embiid, though, I know you have him rostered on, on on in our competitive league. What are your thoughts on him? He has been torching some pretty bad defenses, but the one sign that I see that's good for him beat is that he's on the floor. He's really taking in stride being the leader of this team. And he hasn't really been missing many games as of late. So, I mean, I got, you got to be feeling pretty good about rostering Joel Embiid right now. Yeah, no doubt. Ride the wave with Joel Embiid. And, but the Sixers have one of the most favorable fantasy basketball playoff schedules of any team uh, in the NBA. So as long as Joel Embiid can stay on the floor, and 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 right now, right, Sixers aren't trading Ben Simmons, and we have no idea if they're going to do that. I mean, things have kind of been cool on that front. If they don't, if they don't bring another guy in, and Ben Simmons kind of stays but doesn't play, and B and B looks like a guy who's going to be able to carry your team throughout the rest of the season and in the fantasy basketball playoffs. Yeah, keep on moving through the league here. Kyrie Irving, he looked good in his return to play. Um, the Nets do have two away games this week versus Portland and Chicago. So those that waited it out for Kyrie, at least you're going to get something out of him. You'll get a couple games this week. So uh, enjoy that. But he did look really good and going to add more dynamic play to the uh, the Nets offense. Their defense we, still looks suspect, though. We need to pause for a second and realize what we just said. Like you just said that you, you have to take into account when the Nets are on the road. Like yeah. how how insane is that? Like you I, mean, never I think get... it gives it kind of gives more value to Patty Mills because whenever there's a home game, you know, he'll obviously play and Kyrie will be out. But you're right. It's just something you got to live with. But for those two games you're getting Kyrie, it's still worth it to roster him, right? Like, to a certain degree. I'm not, <laughs> I, I mean, know. you're going to try, what do you trade Kyrie Irving for being a part-time player? It's kind of difficult. Yeah, this I don't is, is going to, this is going to sound crazy, but like, I would consider trading, like, would you trade Kyrie Irving for Malik Monk? Yeah, the way Malik, yeah, I mean, that's, a, I think that's a pretty reasonable <laughs> trade, to be honest, right? because the way Malik Monk is playing, like, you're buying low on the name. Right. So what well, what you're doing is you're taking the name value of Kyrie, understanding yeah. that he's only going to play in probably a third of the Nets, however many next games. Because you know you say a half, but like maybe it's, there's a back to back, or maybe there's a you know he rests because he hasn't played in a while or something. So you figure he plays like a third of the games, like that. I just don't like that from a head to head perspective. I'd rather a guy who's going to play every game. So yeah. I mean, it's brutal for a weekly league. Like you, you can't rely on Kyrie at all. So yeah, that's a, I mean, yeah, I see the argument. I definitely see the argument to trade him. I just don't know. It, it, maybe it is Malik Monk might be that someone might view him as like, oh, he got hot because you know the Lakers are down a bunch of players and he's just shining for a moment. But I don't know. I think I think Malik Monk has definitely proven that he can stick in this lineup. So that might be a good person to fetch for. Yeah, yeah, potentially the Raptors. Miss uh, Fred Van Vliet also registered his first triple double on Saturday. Uh, pretty much willed the uh, Raptors back in a victory, man. Dropped like 20 straight points. 
curious of your thoughts here, though. The Raptors are finally getting healthy. We see Pascal Siakam in the lineup, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, you know, obviously a fixture, and then Fred Van Vliet balling out, and then you still got Gary Trent Jr. there. Um, do you think that they can all coexist? Like, or are you concerned about anyone in particular's fantasy value now that they're all actually back on the court? love the Raptors from a fantasy perspective because they run a seven, eight man rotation and all the starters, as long as the game is close, which the Raptors are pretty, you know, they're, they're a competitive squad with their starting five. So most of their games are pretty close and they're playing minutes in the mid to upper thirties. And all those guys, all those guys have value because they all get steals and blocks essentially. Um, and Gary Trent, obviously with the three pointers. So no, I'm not worried about uh, any of their value. Um, and I think, I think going forward, you can you can count on you know all of Fred VanVleet, OJ Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, uh, and even even Chris Boucher when they play against a team that you know doesn't have a typical uh, typical starting center. And then yeah. just like just like the Sixers, we're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors too uh, with their favorable fantasy basketball playoff schedule. And also, here's another thing with the Raptors: they've only played 36 games so far this season, which is the lowest amount of games so far uh, in the NBA. Whereas the Milwaukee Bucks have played 42 games. So between now and the end of the season, you get six more games out of the Toronto Raptors than you would the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm not saying go ahead and trade all your Bucks and go acquire all your Raptors, but it's definitely something to consider. Like six more games of a Fred Van Vliet or an OG Ananobi might be more valuable than a Drew Holiday, six less games of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment. So yeah, real quick, one to get your thoughts on Cam Johnson. Over the last 14 days, he is currently 33 overall. And, uh, I mean, his his splits are crazy. 51% from the field, 93% from the line, um, shooting over 40% from three, 17, five. Doesn't really do much in the assist department or stocks, but he's hitting four threes per contest. What do you think his outlook will be once Jay Crowder returns? Yeah, so Jay Crowder actually came back on Saturday. He entered the starting lineup but he only played 26 minutes in his return. Maybe it was because, you know, it's his first game back in a while, but it also could have been because Cam Johnson's been balling. So Cam Johnson still came off the bench, played 31 minutes, took 13 shots and uh, scored 15 points, five rebounds, two assists and uh, no turnovers. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's not really a guy who's going to get you a lot of stocks, but he's very consistent. He's going to score the basketball and get you three pointers and some boards actually. Um, there's definitely a, a chance that he plays more minutes than Jay Crowder, even though Crowder starts. He's a guy I'm holding on to, but probably temper expectations just a little bit. If uh, so that, that that game actually got out of hand a little bit against the Miami Heat, that's potentially why Jay Crowder only played 26 minutes. Um, but for now, I think you got to hold on to Cam Johnson. Just just see where see where it takes you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he scored double figures in 18 straight. Wow, he's hit at least two three pointers in at least the last 12 games. The dude's a, an assassin. I mean, he's. Six in the NBA in three-point percentage right now. So I think he's just playing too well that you bench him. And, you know, with Jay Crowder, he's one of those veterans where he's really counted on for his his defensive capabilities. And, you know, with the Suns here, they might not be looking for some firepower off the bench here. So I think Cam Johnson's certainly still going to earn significant minutes. So, yeah, I agree. He's, he's actually turned into be one of the steals of the waiver wires this season. Last team I wanted to talk about, the Wizards. Kyle Kuzma, we were going to mention him last week, and I think I just forgot to, but uh, he's, he's ranked 31st overall in, in week 12, averaging 28, 11 and a half rebounds, three assists, two stocks, 50% from the field, two three-pointers. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, Bradley Beal has been kind of quiet, and I think Kyle Kuzma stepped up 
um, while Dinwiddie was also out. But now that Bradley Beal is back, he's 18th overall in the last week, and he's really upped his assist since Dinwiddie's been out to nine per game. So just want to get your thoughts on the Wizards, mainly Kyle Kuzma, and if he can sustain his performance right now. And, you know, Bradley Beal, do you see him pretty much being this type of Bradley Beal, you know, the, the late first, early second round pick that you uh, spent your draft capital on? Yeah, I think Bradley Beal is a very unexciting player that, you know, is just kind of there for fantasy basketball. It's not a guy that I was actively <laughs> like, like looking for. He's, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Nick Chubb. Like, he's just a guy that like, when he fell to you, it's like, yeah, like, I guess I should probably just go draft this guy, hit the button and he'll right. get me, he'll get me like 25, five and five and it'll be fine. But yeah, Kuzma looks really good right now. He scored 20 plus in his last six games. He's playing like 40 minutes a game. Uh, the Wizards just run up and down the floor with every team, just score a ton of points. And he's actually, he's averaging 8.4 rebounds per game this season. Just incredible. That's a career high for him. So he's crashing the boards too. His usage is just extremely high, averaging, I think it's at three assists per game. He's really never been an assist guy. And three assists per game out of a guy like Kyle Kuzma is like m- way more than you could have asked for. Now, however, the Wizards are getting, they're getting a lot of guys back here really shortly but it's going to be in the front court mostly. So Thomas Bryant's about to return from his ACL injury. Uh, Montrezl Harrell's about to come back off the protocols. And Rui Hashimura, um, who's been away for personal reasons, is actually coming back too. So that's three guys right there who likely take minutes away from Daniel Gafford. But also Kyle Kuz has been playing the, the three slash four. Maybe we see some of his minutes decline as well as other guys get you know in the rotation a little bit more. Like now might actually be a good time to maybe sell high on Kyle Kuzma, who's been playing out of his mind the last two weeks. It's a good point. I think Rui Hachimura has been on the the questionable designation for quite some time now as he's gone through COVID and injury. So excited to see what he can bring to the table here because they did spend a lottery pick on him and he played pretty well last year. So certainly some time uh, for him to get on the floor. And and you're right, Matras Harrell and, and, and Thomas Bryant are certainly going to cannibalize uh, Daniel Gafford a little bit see how that goes. But Daniel Gafford is what he is. He's really just a block specialist. Anyway, you shouldn't really be relying on him as a, a rebounds and points big. Um, he's really just there defensively. I saw on Twitter, there was some conversation going around with some experts around uh, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Haynes from Yahoo sports reported that he is ahead of schedule in his ACL rehab and that there's the possibility of him returning to the court earlier than anticipated. Want to get your take on it, whether you're going to pick up Kawhi Leonard or not. Yeah. So for me, it, it, the, the Clippers, the Clippers are a fringe playoff team. And, and to be honest, if Paul George is out for a while, they're likely not making the playoffs. So I don't know why they would bring Kawhi Leonard back uh, in the fold and, and bring him back too early where, you know, he's not going to do much. To, I mean, obviously Kawhi Leonard can carry a team on his back, but coming off of a major injury, I'm not sure that the Clippers would want to risk that. And also, if you look at it, the Clippers have the uh, one of the worst uh, fantasy basketball playoff schedules. They only play they only play nine games in the final uh, three weeks of the fantasy season, which is the lowest of any team tied with the Memphis Grizzlies. So if Kawhi does even come back, there's a week where the Clippers only play two games. And that's week 22. So just, you know, there's there's plenty of guys that keep going in and out of health and safety protocols that you w- probably want to use your IL spots for that. Unless for whatever reason you're, you're in first or second place, have a really comfortable lead and you're confident you're going to make the playoffs. I, that's probably the only situation where I'd, where I'd take a shot on rostering Kawhi. I'm in agreement. I'm out on picking him up right now. I think it's really only worth picking up Kawhi if you're in a position where you can afford to and you have IL spots available. 
you know, our league, we have three IL spots. Right now, I'm reserving most of those that are already in COVID or haven't gotten COVID yet, and they're about to, and I don't know it yet. Um, so in this environment, you really got to be really flexible. And picking up somebody like Kawhi Leonard, who may not even play, I don't know if it's really worth the risk unless you can afford to do it. You might be overselling how bad the Clippers are right now. They are in ninth place. They're 19-21. They're only a few games back out of the eighth, so, so who, out of the seventh so, spot. Yeah, so. so who's who's carrying them to the playoffs? Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Serge Ibaka? I mean, you'd be surprised, I guess. Serge Ibaka's actually played okay. Um, but it's really just Marcus Morris who's been carrying them. Amir, like, Amir, Amir Coffey had 21 <laughs> points on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard's coming back. They, you know, they're they're staying competitive without Luke Kennard. So don't sleep that, on the uh, don't sleep the on the regular I, yeah. rotation Clippers. Yeah, I think it's really a testament to Ty Lue, man. He's he's just Agreed. playing up these backup dudes because I didn't I didn't actually think I was just betting on the late, on the Clippers the other day against the Suns and they kept it competitive against a really good team. Now the Suns weren't at full strength, they didn't have Aiton, but they still hung with them. So yeah, I think you're right, man. The, the there's definitely something there that they 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 should at least remain somewhat competitive in the playoff race, and that may spark the interest of Kawhi coming back early but right now i don't i don't see it because they don't have paul george also, of, you don't have paul george there what's the point true speaking of coaches uh eric spolstra just took a, a miami squad without uh bam on bio and jimmy, jimmy butler, butler into yeah. into phoenix and a full uh, like a full strength phoenix sun squad and beat him by 20 plus like dusted him get out get out of here eric spolstra coach of the year and i'll give him coach of the year just for unlocking uh Omar Yurtsevin, because that, that guy's just been awesome. He looked like Nikola Jokic uh, on, on Saturday. He had like nine assists. I tried to tell you in the offseason, man. Like, I saw him in person in the uh, Sacramento Classic or whatever, the California Classic they call in the Summer League. He just looked like he belonged. And, like, he was doing everything so easily in the Summer League. I was like, yo, this guy's got to get minutes in real life. And it just so happens a Bam Adebayo injury just lucked up. Because we haven't seen Dwayne Dedman. We said it a few weeks ago, Dwayne Dedman's a dead man. I haven't seen him on the floor since. I remember exactly where I was when I got the notification that Bam Adebayo was going to be out for four to six weeks. I was coming out of a Wawa gas station, and the first, my first immediate thought was, "Okay, go pick up Dwayne Dedman immediately." And yeah. this guy, this guy replied, "I don't remember who it was." He replied to me on Twitter. He's like, "Don't sleep on Omer. You're at seven. I'm like, "Who the hell is Omer? You're at seven. And here we, here we are. And Omer, you're at seven is like keeping people afloat in fantasy basketball leagues. Man, how are you going to go? Well, number one, shout to Wawa. I miss Wawa. And two, how are you going to give somebody else credit for that Omar Yurtsevin, man? I got the receipts for that. I can pull that, too, and then actually can retweet it. <laughs> um, all right. So let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Before we get into week 13 specifically, we're going to fast forward to the end of the season. And for those that might be vying for a playoff spot, how you can start prepping for those early scheduling advantages and target teams that have fantasy-friendly schedules um, at the end. So. Koffler, break it down for us. What did you create and um, why is it important for fantasy managers to consider? So basically what I did is I looked at weeks 21 through 23, and that's the, that's the fantasy basketball playoffs, at least in Yahoo leagues. And so what I did was I took the total number of games that, that each team plays. And instead of just looking at it just you know as a total number of games in a vacuum, which, which you, you definitely could, you could say, okay, the Sixers play 12 games, the, the Trailblazers play 12 games, like these are the teams you want to target, but I, I went a little bit more granular than that. And I, uh, I put in, uh, in the equation back to backs. So it's a slight downtick because, you know, players might be rested. Um, the number of times that that team plays on a 10 plus game slate, because you're, you may have guys that are sitting on your bench because you have too many players that play that night. So that's a slight downtick as well in, in the score 
And then also blowout potential. So, you know, if the best team in the league was playing like the Detroit Pistons or the Houston Rockets, or if the Detroit Pistons or Houston Rockets were playing like the best teams in the league, like, you know, the Suns or the Bucks or the, the Nets or something like that. So I, I uh, incorporated blowout potential into that as well. And I'm going to, I'll probably tweet this out, the, the little graphic that I created, but essentially what it, what it comes down to is the, uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, and Toronto Raptors have some of the best playoff, best and most favorable playoff schedules down the stretch. And the, some of the worst ones are the Boston Celtics, Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans, and Phoenix Suns. So I'm a little salty because I just traded for Devin Booker. And then I put together my calculation for the best and worst playoff fantasy playoff schedules. And, you know, lo and behold, the Phoenix Suns have the worst fantasy basketball playoff schedule. So hopefully Devin Booker can carry me to the playoffs. But then, you know, but right before the trade deadline hits, maybe he's a guy I want to get rid of. So I don't have to deal with that headache, you know, come playoff time. Yeah, that'll be a fun exercise, acquiring Devin Booker, then selling him. And, and no one understand, like, why are you selling Devin Booker after you just bought him? Uh, but that's interesting that you did that 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 analysis, and I think the one the one aspect of it that I think is most valuable is the ten the ten game slate angle, mainly because there's going to be times where you're going to have to make those start and sit decisions, and when you have a full slate, it's not as advantageous because you're going to be losing some value there because people sit on your bench. When you can get those guys in the slates that are like three and five games where you get those extra those extra production from those players, that's key. So uh, I love that you factored that into there. I actually the now, that, okay. now that you now that you said that, I feel like I should have waited that even more because yeah, like, yeah, I'd actually let me, wait that more than the back to back to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you an example. the The Chicago Bulls in those three playoff weeks, they play eleven games, which is pretty solid because you either play 12, 12, 11, 10, or nine. They play eleven, but they don't. They're only on a ten game slate twice, whereas the Phoenix Suns play ten games. And they're on a they're on a ten plus game slate six times. More than half of their ten games mm. are on a ten game slate. Like that's that's not good because like there's gonna be there's gonna be guys that are sitting on your bench. And I mean, obviously you're gonna put Devin Booker in there, but you're gonna be losing right. out on a guy because you have Devin Booker. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, so that, so that, that's when the decisions become like the Cam the Cam Johnsons of the world. It's like, oh, do I want that guy in there, or you know, I should probably be prioritizing someone on like the Chicago Bulls, like yeah. Uh, Yes. I don't know. Kobe, Kobe White or something like that. Right? I hope that I hope that not all of our league mates listen to this because I will be packaging. <laughs> I will be packaging Devin Booker and Cam Johnson right ahead of the trade deadline for this reason. But then you also team was was it the San Antonio Spurs? You got rid of Derek White, right? Yeah. So the Spurs, the Spurs are sort of middle of the pack. They only have 10 yeah. games in the playoff week. But yeah, I got I got rid of Derek White. You know, I had to in order to get Devin Booker and Lonzo Ball back. But uh, I, I also got, got Lonzo Ball, though. So. I got Lonzo Ball, who's looking very favorable for the end of the season. Uh, like I talked about the Toronto Raptors, the, they, they play the most amount of games from, from right now until the end of the season, and they have one of the most favorable you know, fantasy playoff schedules. So right. and I also like middle-of-the-pack teams that can stay competitive with the best teams, and you know they don't necessarily blow out the worst teams either. Like the Toronto Raptors are, are, looking, are looking mighty fine. Like those, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi. Those are guys that if it was me, I'd be targeting right now. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great analysis to do if you're in contention right now. You know, eighth or ninth, tenth in your league, and you're still vying for a playoff spot. It's certainly important for you to just look at the weeks ahead and where, where you can get those scheduling advantages from, um, 
you know, when you're targeting the Tuesday, Thursday slates or the slates that don't have a lot of games um, or whatever angle you, you, you so choose. But yeah, I think that this is really helpful for you to get ahead and start preparing for that because, you know, and talk about your trade. So your trade was you traded Hamado Diallo, Derek White, and Demonis Sabonis for Devin, Devin Booker, Devin Lonzo, Booker Ball, Lonzo Ball, and who was DeAnthony Melton. And DeAnthony Melton. Wow. Talk about timely. <laughs> So I got That's I got crazy. sort of lu- I got sort of lucky on DeAnthony Melton with uh, Dylan Brooks going down uh, not even 24 hours after that trade I don't think right. and uh, I, I really was just like Sabonis to me you know he's a guy that's going to score he's going to get pretty good field goal percentage right like 53 54 percent and he's going to get rebounds and some assists I mean some some sometimes he has you know eight seven eight assists but sometimes he's got you know two or three. He's not really a steals and blocks guy. He turns the ball over a lot and he, and he crushes your free throw percentage. So I was doing really well in, in uh, field goal percentage and rebounds categories week in and week out. And obviously Sabonis was a reason for that, but I thought I could get rid of a guy like that and still hold my own in those categories and get better at categories that I was competitive in, but losing most weeks. So like three pointers, steals, assists, and guys like Lonzo ball, Devin Booker and Anthony Melton can help me in those three categories. So I felt like I was becoming more competitive by getting those three guys uh, on my team, obviously getting rid of Derek white hurts, but I still do have DeJounte Murray. So I'm still invested in that backcourt. And like I said, the Spurs only have 10 games of play- fantasy playoffs. So, you know, I, I didn't really want two Spurs on my team come the come playoff time. Yeah. I think the value in Sabonis is really, he's one of the best passing bigs in the NBA um, at the power four position. He currently ranks fifth, overall with four and a half per game. So that he's definitely a good source of that. And for, for whatever reason, over the last two seasons, Indiana has just been really injury prone and he's been the only one that's been reliable. So he's just a benefactor of just having to get a ton of usage. And, and but I, I agree with you. It's, it's primarily his scoring ability is rebounding at a high volume, but it, for what you're getting in terms of the long-term outlook, potentially a better positioning, maybe fulfilling some of the different needs of your team, right now i believe you're a what ninth in the league yeah it's 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 league. very it, it's very like you gotta look you gotta look take a look at your team and be like you know what, what do i have coming down the pike yeah. and and i do have i do have rashawn holmes who's been on uh il he should be back soon and and that should that should keep me afloat and some in the in the rebound and field goal percentage category so right like i felt like i could get rid of that and then help myself in other places for sure yeah, it's a, it's a good trade, man. I see the value on both sides, but uh, obviously, you know, whatever works out best for your team, that's in the eye of the beholder. But uh, I think from a scheduling perspective, you definitely won out there a little bit. And, and here's uh, another thing with that trade. We, we've heard the Pacers want to blow it up. So bonus is at the, is his highest peak value right now. Like yeah. they're going to, if they make a trade and bring guys in or deal Sabonis somewhere else, like his value cannot go up from where it is right now. It can only go down. Like he's yeah, I he's, mean, he's, he's probably not more going than, to a contender, right? I mean, yeah, so, but, a bum ass team. Yeah, so right now he's on a, he's on a bad team and he just cooks. Yeah, especially especially with Malcolm Brogdon not like not playing and Brogdon's supposed to come back. Lavert will be back. Uh, so and and then the teams are going to get shaken up a little bit. So you know we can only see Sabonis's value drop. He's not he's not a top ten fantasy asset. He's a top twenty five, top thirty fantasy asset because of some of his his downfalls. Um, so yeah, let's go into the week 13 schedule. We got 11 teams playing four games, 18 teams playing three games and only one team playing two games. That is the Los Angeles Lakers. So 
Let's talk about some waivers. Um, some of the top guys for guards that I think you should definitely scoop up. Top of the list for me is Anthony Simons. D- Damian Lillard has been missing time. CJ McCollum still isn't back on the court yet. Portland sucks. All recipes for Anthony Simons to continue to cook. He dropped crazy 40-point performance uh, earlier this week um, honoring his, his grandfather. Um, he's been cooking ever since, so I think he's definitely a priority add. We talked about Malik Monk earlier. Now, the Lakers only played two games this week, but being that we were both convinced that he has way longer value than just as a streaming option, certainly want to go grab him. Another dark horse that I've been looking at is Pat Beverly. Still under-rostered, but he finished 28th overall last week. This was obviously because D'Angelo Russell was out for some time, and um, but he's, he's the starting point guard, so he's actually putting up really good numbers over that time, averaging eight dimes last week. Um, and 14 points and five rebounds. So he's only 37% rostered. He's seen just under 30 minutes per contest. So you could do worse um, if you're looking for a point guard. Also, Alec Burks, he's just a guy that is fortunate that Kemba Walker's out. So he's going to continue to get minutes. This random guy, though, I want to talk about, we were just talking about Indiana, Kiefer Sykes. He signed a 10-day deal. And all of a sudden last week, he was just cooking. Like he dropped 20 points a couple games. He's giving you assists and rebounds. Kind of looks like he's been putting up these Faco Composo lines where getting you a couple steals, some assists, or whatever. Um, but I think he's, you know, assuming Brogdon's going to be out, he could be someone that you may want to look at because his contract did just get guaranteed for the rest of the season. So they clearly like him. And he also did catch a really nice tip slam. And he doesn't look very tall. So he's got some athleticism and bunnies <laughs> to him. So, um, yeah, give me some other ideas of, of people you're, li- you're liking for guards. Uh, for guards, you could look at, uh, I mean, John Morant missed Saturday with a thigh injury, I believe, but I, I'm not sure if that's a serious one. But obviously, if he, if he, if he were to miss more time, Tyus Jones becomes a, a must-add there. Uh, we yeah. talked about Malik Monk. Uh, Kobe White's been playing a lot of minutes off the bench in Chicago. Uh, he looks like a decent decent streamer. Uh, the Bulls only played three games um, this week. Um, so do the Pacers, though. So Keeper Sykes and even like Lance Stevenson, I'm a little bit cooled on because they only played three games and there's no way, you know, Lance to make him dance stays, you know, as relevant as he's been like Brogdon Brogdon's got to come back uh, here in the near future. And it's going to just, he's going to make him totally irrelevant. Some forwards that that have been playing really well. Marcus Morris mentioned him before. Um, Also Herb Jones. I can't speak enough about Herb Jones and what he does defensively, but he is just criminally under rostered right now. Yeti Osman is also, uh, playing pretty well for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a ton of injuries and he's been stepping up. Matisse Thibault, I think is a dark horse that you might be able to pick up. The Sixers do play four, four games this week. So, you know, he could still be getting minutes with Danny green playing so terribly bad. And we know what he can do on the defensive end. So I think he's always a great stocks pickup. Royce O'Neal. I feel like he's just like a guy that you're going to have to pick up and drop, pick up and drop. Like that's just, it is what it is, but you know, Utah, uh, going through some COVID issues. So I think he could definitely be someone that could be worthwhile. Uh, Jeff Green, another guy that uh, Denver, they play four games. Um, he's he's still seeing minutes off the bench, but he's a guy that can put it. He can score. He can give you some defensive stuff and uh, hit three. So Jeff Green's always a cheap source of value. Trey Lyles is uh, definitely a dude that's been playing well four games this week. Who else? Oh, oh uh, uh, Onyeka Okongwu of the, the Hawks. So Capella's missing... Uh, Sunday's game. We don't know how long that the injury is going to last. So if if Capella were to miss time, Okongwu is a really good a really good option at center. And obviously, you know, 
set starting centers are hard to come by off the waiver wire. So uh, get out ahead of that one and, uh, and, and pick him up if, if Capella were forced to miss any time. And oddly, I mean, we, I mentioned it a while ago, but Gary Harris has been torching nets lately and very, very odd how Ruth. he's coming out this, this, this late, but uh, he's getting minutes. So uh, definitely works. And uh, the Monty Morris Composo Denver has four games. So they're, they're definitely guys that you could put in and out of your lineup if you're needing some assists and threes and Composo's just been great defensively. So I'm a big fan of his Sergi Baca is probably a deep center. If you need some rebounds and some blocks, but yeah, with um, Zubac coming back and also Isaiah Hartenstein, Serge may not be relied on as much, but he has been playing pretty well uh, over the last week. And also, other, one, well, yeah, one, one quick note here. The Pistons play a, uh, they play the only back-to-back Monday, Tuesday this week. So, you know, even though a guy like Hamadou Diallo is a little bit cool now that Kate Cunningham uh, and a couple other guys are back in the lineup for the Pistons, like he's, he's maybe a guy that, you know, could be an early week streamer along with, uh, your Trey Lyles or your Corey Josephs, even off the bench, if you're looking for, you know, a couple assists there, um, just to get that back to back, you know, first thing in the, in the early in the week. So would you say, so Hamadou Diallo, just because you mentioned him, would you consider that, would you say that you sold him high? Oh, no doubt. I mean, dude, he had a game of like 39 points. So yeah. like, I mean, but, but, he did, but he did drop 17, six with three steals and a block. Um, on Saturday night. So, I mean, it's not like he just went away. He's not going away, but he's still actually being pretty productive. So, yeah. I yeah, mean, I think, I think, I think so, the first so high who, from 30 points for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he was, he was more of a throw in in that trade. Um, okay. So it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting question because, you know, as the Pistons get towards the end of the season and, you know, maybe they, maybe they rest Kate Cunningham or maybe, you know, other guys go down with whatever. And it's a guy like Hamdou Diallo who steps up and plays 35 minutes a game. Like we, we saw something similar, you know, in Oklahoma city last season with, you know, Lou Dort and with, uh, you know, Alexi Pokusevsky, like you see some of these young guys who never got opportunities before, you know, just ball because you know, they're, they're good players, but they just never get the minutes. So, you know, maybe he's a guy that down the stretch will, you know, you know, pop pop his head back up, but yeah, he's probably here to stay, you know, insofar as, you know, 13 to 15 points, you know, some peripheral stats, but he's, he's never going to drop 35 to 40 points a game. Like he wasn't Kate Cunningham was out. Yeah. He probably still has a threat of Jeremy Grant coming back at some point too. True. Uh, I see. I have no idea forward, if the Pistons are bad. Minutes. Like when does, when does Jeremy Grant ever come back? If at all. All right. That'll do it for the week 13. Look ahead. Make sure to check out the fantasy forecast with Joe Delira and myself. It's an article on the action network.com. So be sure to check that out. If you want any other additional analysis for any prop bets or the fantasy week, download the action network app uh, to tell some of our experts, the buckets betting show will be back on Tuesday with the big picture with Matt Moore, Ryan Palmer, and Brandon Anderson. And if you guys like this content, man, leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll holler at you next week. Peace.